The following is a rebroadcast of Stratford University's Tech Talk. To hear Tech Talk live, tune in Saturday mornings at 9. You can find us on the radio on 1500 AM, 104.5 FM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, and 1077 FM HD2. Or you can listen live online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And it's been another big week in technology, as always. Uh, Bitcoin is now above $35,000 a Bitcoin. So uh, it's really surged in recent times. Uh, Jack Ma, of course, he's the CEO of the... uh, of a large conglomerate, tech conglomerate there in China, has actually been, uh, you know, put under wraps by the Chinese government after he was critical of them last October. It sort of says you got to toe the line in China, or they're going to take action. They don't like him; they're going after him with antitrust now. Uh, the feds have charged a former Zoom executive who was uh, uh, for being uh, in cahoots with China. Zoom, of course, is a Chinese company. And uh, this week we're going to feature Anthony Michael Fidel. He is the father of the Apple iPod. And he's got an interesting story. He also is the creator of the Nest thermostat. But of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. It was indeed. There's a letter in your mailbox. We got an email from Alice in Reston. Dear Tech Talk. I have an iPhone, and I've run out of memory for more pictures. What are my options? Love the show, Alice and Reston. Well, Alice, uh, management of digital photos has become an ongoing task. I mean, it used to be we had film, we'd take pictures, we'd <laughs> develop the film, print the pictures, and put them all in a drawer and write the date on the envelope. Right. But now there are no prints. <laughs> there is no envelope, and there is no drawer. They're all hidden away in some digital device, and they're hard to maintain. It requires discipline and organization if you want to keep your pictures forever. First, you've got to, uh, if you've run out of space on your iPhone, you're going to have to transfer those pictures to someplace else to free up space on your iPhone so you can take more pictures. So one way to do it would be to connect your uh, computer. You've got the cable there. Plug it into a USB port on your computer. And the, your iPhone will look like an external hard drive. You can just copy the pictures right into your computer. You plug it in, it'll look like you've got an extra hard drive there. You can go to the subdirectory in your iPhone where the photos are and just drag them all over your computer, and then you can save them on your computer. I've done this many times over the years. But here's the thing. if you And then you can delete them on your iPhone once you're sure they've all transferred. But you need backup. So I have an external USB hard drive that I back photos up on. And I also, on my laptop, I back up to the cloud on with Carbonite. Well, and also I also back up with uh, with uh, the uh, 
on the Google uh, on the Google um, cloud. I also back up on the Microsoft cloud. I've, I've got it everywhere uh, because you can never have too many copies of it. And so once you're sure that you have all your photos, Alice, and you have them secured in two locations, you can delete them from your iPhone and start taking pictures again. We got an email from Robert Tyler. Dear Dr. Schertz, I was thinking about trading in my iPhone 7 and getting an iPhone 12. I was thinking about doing it at the Apple online store. Is that a good way to buy a new iPhone? Not really sure about that. Is it hard to set up a, an iPhone with the SIM card? Is sending the trade act Trade back difficult with the online process. Uh, thanks to you and Jim, and of course, Mr. Big Voice for a great show. Never miss a podcast, Carl Tyler. Well, Carl, actually, I've started buying my iPhones directly from Apple. Um, it's really uh, convenient to do that because when I go back in, I'll get Apple Care. Anything happens, place it with a new iPhone. When I get a carrier, sometimes I get a rebuilt phone, and that's not so good because I'm. You know, I get more replacements than I'd like to admit. I'm all getting the water or doing something with it. And so I get it directly. Now, the nice thing is, if you, I've never got from uh, Apple, but I think during the pandemic, that makes a lot of sense because there is a huge line at the Apple store because they make people socially distance as they go. So I think ordering it online certainly makes sense. And Apple has smooth. Uh, uh, what what you have to do is you've got to make certain that you can restore your iPhone um, after you when you while you're activating using the image of your old iPhone. So what you need to do is done is I upgrade my current iPhone to the latest operating system, and then I do a backup, and I make a note on what the date of that backup, and then when I get my new iPhone. I make certain that the operating system on the new iPhone matches the old iPhone because the operating systems have to match to restore the backup. So usually when I get the new iPhone, I might have to actually upgrade it one time because it's usually one upgrade behind when I get it. So I typically have to upgrade my new iPhone at least you know, once. And then as soon as I've got the two operating systems to match, uh, you, you simply uh, go in and you can uh, uh, basically activate, your, you can actually restore your iPhone to the backup and you'll have all the files, all the pictures, everything that you had before. Now, as far as doing your SIM card, that's pretty easy. The, um, the, uh, the phone company does that. So if, uh, if uh, you'll have to tell them what, what phone company you have before they send you. And, uh, and normally you will be able to press a button and activate the phone. And at the time you activate that phone, it will, deactivate your old phone so your old phone will be dead then once you have activated your new phone using your carrier you must have AT&T if you got a cell phone or 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 you've got T-Mobile if you got if you got a sim card then once you've once you've activated your phone which is really easily done it's 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 basically automated then you go in and you can check for um, uh, the updates on your operating system on your new iPhone, and then you can restore your new iPhone using that backup, and you'll be good to go. I, I think they'll have, you'll have no trouble doing that. If you have a problem, you always have the option to go to the Apple store, make get an appointment, and go to the Genius Desk, and they'll walk you through it. We got an email from Bob in Maryland. Dear Doc, uh, and he says, see, Doc has top billing, and Jim, Jim second, and then 
Next is, of course, Mr. Big Voice, last billing. Well, As it thanks, be. Bob. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a wired, wired article about the early development of microprocessors and how some classified work might have played a role in it. I've known Ray Holt all my life, but I never knew the things that he accomplished in developing the first microprocessor for the F-14 fighter. Best of the holiday season. Love the show. Your faithful listener, Bob in Maryland. Well, Bob, you know, I read the story on Ray Holt. That is really interesting. It, he actually developed the first microprocessor system, but it was for the F-14 uh, fighter jet, so it was classified. So the general public didn't know about it. And so Intel claims that they made the first commercially available. You notice they don't say the first Uh, I went back and looked at this thing. I, 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 I may try to, if I can get enough information on your profiles in IT. But I, knew, I do know this classroom is an issue. I mean, I've got a lot of patents classified, so nobody hey, knows about them. And, Doc? You know, it just... Uh, Doc? Yes? Can you hear me? We're, we're having, I can hear you. We're having some problems with your cutting in and out. Tell you what, let's take a break. And why don't you hang up and okay. redial, okay? Because we're, we're, you're, you're chopping up a little bit, and uh, and it doesn't sound so great. So so hang up here, and okay. we will take uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll we'll, we'll resume the, the the mailbag. It is a Saturday okay. morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk on Federal News Network, fifteen hundred AM, one hundred three five FM HD two, one hundred three nine FM HD two, in Loudoun County on one hundred four point five FM, and southwest of Washington. On 107.7 FM HD2. We'll be back with more once we reestablish contact with Dr. Schertz here on Tech Talk Radio. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University. You are listening to Tech Talk Radio. Let's talk about the Wolfram Physics Project again. I talked about it a few weeks ago, and uh, it's really quite an innovative idea. And I just want to explain some of the key elements in Stephen Wolfram's theory that I think are absolutely amazing. 
Now, he's trying to find the fundamental theory of physics, one that unifies quantum mechanics and general relativity. Uh, of course, Albert Einstein uh, developed the theory of general relativity. This is the theory of the big. And then we had quantum mechanics and quantum field theory, which is the theory of the small. And it turns out that when you try to bring these two theories together, they're not consistent. And you cannot, through quantum mechanics, predict the presence of gravity. And the, pres and the quantum and uh, general relativity cannot predict the fundamental forces of quantum field theory. So we, didn't, we had a, a fractured physics model. And Stephen Wolfram is trying to bring that together. There have been multiple attempts to do that, like with string theory and other things to bring them together. And this is the latest attempt. So I'm going to try to explain this thing simply without getting too complicated. He believes that all existence is made up of space. But space is not continuous in his model. It's discrete points. And that is very significant because general relativity assumes that space is continuous. And Stephen Wolfram believes the reason that we can't get general relativity and quantum mechanics to match is that the assumption, the underlying assumption of that space is continuous was flawed. So he believes that space is made up of discrete points. And, and he models it using a series of rules. He'll have a particular arrangement of points, and they will be connected in a certain way. And he has a model that says whenever we see this particular arrangement... Okay, we're going to try this again. I think we've reestablished communications with Dr. Schertz. Rick, are you there? Yeah, is that better? a better connection? It's, uh, it's, well, it's hard to tell after five seconds, but we'll, we'll run okay. with it and see how it goes, okay? Uh, so go ahead and resume the mailbag, right. please. All right, so... Let's, we've got an email from Jim in Bowie. Uh, Dear Dr. Schertz and Jim, I've been using my Dell Inspiron for Zoom meetings. It's, on a, it's a Windows 10 machine, but whenever I plug in my headphones for the Zoom meeting, it automatically turns off the internal microphone. And as soon as I unplug the headset, the microphone turns on. This is very discouraging because I like to use my headset. How can I fix the problem? Um, well, actually, I was going to suggest you go into the audio settings in Zoom to make certain that the internal mic is selected as your audio source. Frequently, uh, my audio source will shift around on Zoom, and that was going to be what I thought would fix the problem. But then I got an update to, from Jim. He said, problem solved. It turns out the problem was caused by the cumulative update on December 8th when he actually installed the, the feature update on uh, January 7th. It fixed the problem. So... Uh, uh, I don't know, Jim, that's, um, that's good news. And, uh, if it ever happens again, check those audio settings within the zoom device and that may help you do that. We got an email from Susan in Alexandria. Good morning, Dr. Shirts and Jim. Last month, Bob in Maryland shared a website that offered random views of Google street views all around the world. I thought I'd share another fun diversion where you can swap views out of a window from somebody else's window around the world. Go to windowswap.com, windowswap.com, and uh, you can click and go from one view to another. 
Well, actually, that sounds like a great uh, application there, Susan, a great website. I went there and I looked at, at uh, Windows, looking out Windows from all around the world. It was really fun. Now, the problem is some of the Windows, they didn't identify a location. Some did and some didn't. But that was a fun way to just sort of virtually travel around the world. We got an email from Arnie in Colorado Springs. Hi, Dr. Schertz. You provided information on how to delete everything from your laptop or PC a while back. Trying to find it in tech to on old tech talk shows. I want to clean up my old laptop and give it to a student who may need it for an online school. Thanks, and for giving us a, a great update on technology, Arnie in Colorado Springs. Well, uh, well, Arnie, you're you're really wise. If you're going to give away or sell your computer, you really need to wipe your hard drive clean. Uh, there are a number of ways to do that. The nice thing is with Windows, there's a uh, there's a, a reset feature that's built in that allows you to. To, to send it back to the uh, to, to you know to the factory standards and it's really nice it's uh, it's uh, it's very easy to do you want to go to settings you go to update and security and then hit recovery and then click get started under reset this PC and uh, and then it will ask you if you want to keep your files or delete them and you just say remove everything and then click next click reset and your PC will go through the entire reset process it will reinstall Windows and when you're finished when your PC reboots it will be like it's a brand new uh, PC with Windows on it and the next person can set it up now the problem with this to a certain degree if you've got like nuclear secrets on your hard drive uh, Arnie is that this is not going to wipe your hard drive according to high security standards there may be a shadow of the information still on your hard drive if you want to take and totally clean the hard drive by rewriting every piece on that hard drive three times with different characters, the best way to do that would be with DBAN. That stands for Derek's Boot and Nuke. It's a great tool. You can download it at dban.org. You can download it. You'll make a bootable CD. You boot up on the CD, and it goes in there, and it just wipes your hard drive, and it rewrites at each location multiple times. And you can select what degree of security you want. You're going to have the Gutman wipe. You can have the Department of Defense short wipe or the Department Department of Defense medium wipe. It does an excellent job of, of erasing data, but it won't reinstall Windows. You'll then have to go back and reinstall Windows. I suspect for, for this application, with the kind of data that you have, just using the built-in recovery tool is all you need. We got an email from Daniel in uh, Arlington. Dear Tech Talk, I've got a Windows 10 computer and send many pictures to my friends. Is there a simple way to send all these pictures as a single file? Well, actually, there, uh, there is a way to do that. It's quite easy to do. You can send that as a zipped folder. So what you want to do is uh, go to the Windows desktop, create new folder, right-click and say new folder, create a new folder, and you could name it, say, Tech Talk Pictures. Suppose you've got a lot of Tech Talk Pictures. All the pictures you want to send, copy them into that folder. Then you highlight the folder name and right-click on it, and there will be a drop-down menu that comes up, and select Compressed Zipped Folder. And it will take all those files and put them in a single folder without any, without any problem. And then you can simply, um, simply um, uh, attach that zipped file and send it. The, uh, and then when the person gets the zipped file, they can right-click on they can they can actually save it to their desktop. They can right-click on it, 
and it will say unzip the file and it'll unzip it and then get them all back. It's very easily done and it's a nice way to send files. We got an email from Sam in Manassas, Dear Tech Talk. I'm using a website that frequently updates its pages. Fortunately, when I click refresh, when I click refresh, it's, uh, it, it, it's not there. So, uh, you know, the new information isn't there, and I can't figure out why. What's going on? Well, it turns out, Sam, that, that your browser is probably taking uh, data from an intermediate cache. The cache could be on your computer, or it could be another cache distributed on the Internet. You can force a new, a new page, and you can force it not to take any data from cache. Simply do Control-F5. Hit that Control-F5 combination, and your browser will go to the website and, re and request new data. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It is Saturday morning. This is Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1077 FM HD 2, and in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Anthony Michael Fidel. Anthony Michael Fidel. He was an engineer and inventor who was best known as father of the iPod. Anthony M. Fidel was born March 22, 1969, to Detroit. <clears throat> he, his family moved around the country. He actually attended 11 in, his, uh, in the elementary, in 11 schools through elementary and high school. And he, he actually always liked to earn money and have a job. His first job, he held at eight years old, selling eggs. It's amazing, an eight-year-old selling eggs. Uh, he, he graduated from Gross Point uh, South High School at Gross Point Farms, Michigan. He got a Bachelor of Science in Computer Engineering in 1991 from University of Michigan. 
Now, while still at the University of Michigan, he started his second company, Constructive Instruments, and it marketed multimedia composition software for children. In 1992, he started working for an Apple spinoff called General Magic. He started as a diagnostics engineer and progressed to a systems architect for the Magic Cap PDA format. That's a personal digital assessment core back. Now, during his three and a half years at General Magic, Fidel lost touch with his family, screwed up his personal relationship. He gained 40 pounds. He lost 40 pounds. He was a mess. He needed to find, he needed to get centered again. In 1995, he was hired by Philips, where he was co-founder and chief tech, where he served as co-founder, chief technology officer, and director of engineering for the mobile computing group. He got into mobile computing, and he was he co-founded that group, and he served as chief technology officer, and and he started focusing back again. He got he found his mojo. As a condition for joining Philips. He demanded that his team be allowed to operate like a startup. He loves the startup mentality. So the mobile computing group got its own building. They had walls painted yellow and purple. They had open cubicles, free soda, free fruit, <clears throat> just like a startup in Silicon Valley. Now, he calls himself a studied engineer and a self-proclaimed designer. His passion is designing portable devices. He feels limited space forces more creative solutions. Now, during the 1990s, he started uh, his own company again called Fuse. His vision was to become the Dell of computer electronics. He wanted to, you know, sell directly to the computers like, uh, like Dell did. Now, one of the devices that he had in mind was a small hard disk music player. Now, he thought this would be a huge demand item. And uh, but he couldn't get the VCs to bite off on it. He failed to find the second round of fundings, and he started to explore other options. Now he thought, well, shit, I'm streaming music. Why don't I go to the to the music streaming king, Real Networks? So he went to Real Networks in 2000 and, and told them his device. Uh, but and they said, okay, we'll look at it, uh, Tony. But he left after only six weeks because they just didn't embrace him. They didn't give him the love. So the second place he approached was Apple. Steve Jobs was very receptive. So he started working at Apple in February of 2001 as a contractor. In April of 2001, he was hired by April to assemble and run the iPod and Specials Project Group, where he oversaw the design and production of the iPod and iSight devices. Now, Tony partnered with a company called Player, Porter, Portal Player, been working on their own mp3 player and he asked them to help design the software for the new apple player within 18 months tony fidel's team and the portal player completed a prototype ipod now apple polished it off with their classic user interface design and they added the famous scroll button on october 23 2001 apple announced the ipod created under the project code name dulcimer iPod was formally released November 10th, 2001. So get this. He was hired February 2001. He was hired as a full-time employee April of 2001. And the iPod was released by Steve Jobs in November of 2001. That is really fast-tracking it. Remember when Steve Jobs had that, oh, one more thing. 
I got a thousand po- songs in my pocket. That was his release of the iPod. And of course, uh, the iPod is what actually turned Apple around because the iPod ultimately became the platform for the iPhone. Now, Fidel was kept out of the picture by Steve Jobs. Uh, Even though he developed the device from the very beginning and he headed a team of 35 designers and engineers, uh, Steve Jobs kept Tony Fidel in the background. He he wasn't he, he he didn't present anything at that presentation. Jobs was always afraid that the competition would steal his best engineers, so he wanted to always keep them under wraps. Nobody could interview Tony. Now he was promoted to be vice president of engineering uh, of iPod engineering in 2004. In March 31st of 2006, he, he was promoted to senior vice president of the iPod division. As of 2007 in April, the iPod had sold over 100 million units worldwide. This unit, in combination with iTunes, restored Apple. On November 8, 2008, Tony Fidel stepped down as senior vice president, but he remained as an to CEO Jobs, the CEO Steve Jobs. Uh, he was basically moving on, but he just he stayed on to help Steve Jobs. They were friends. Now, while building a uh, now, but but Tony always looks around for what's needed. So while building a home near Lake Tahoe in California, Fidel thermostat for the house and was frustrated by the limited features and cost. I mean, you all know these programmable thermostats that are so hard to program. No, nobody programs them. I mean, he just couldn't stand the selection of thermostats. So he saw a need, and he put together a business plan for Nest to redesign the traditional thermostat. In May of 2010, Fidel and Matt Rogers, a formal Apple employee, co-founded Nest Labs in Palo Alto, California, to produce a sensor-driven, Wi-Fi-enabled, learning programmable thermostat. Uh, my son has one of these things. It's great. You don't program it. You just use it, and it learns from when you use it uh, how to set the temperature. And it has sensors in the house. It can tell if you're not there, so it sets it on vacation mode automatically. If you're around, it, it can tell when you get up. It adjusts the heat. It does it all automatically. No programming. And it actually, actually does save money. In 2014, just Three years after Nest was formed, Google bought Nest Labs for $3.2 billion. And so uh, Tony, Tony got a little nest egg then. Uh, now, Tony stayed with Google uh, as a separate division until June of 2016 when he left. He's currently the principal of Future Shape, a global advisory and investment firm and a coaching firm. He likes to coach startups on how to have innovative products that will stick and that will scale. Fidel has authored more than 300 patents. In 2015, his TED Talk titled, The First Secret of Design is Noticing, has been viewed almost 2 million times. In my uh, observations from the bunker, I'm going to talk about what I learned from that TED video. Uh, uh, that uh, that he gave back in 2015. So there you go. Everything you wanted to know about Anthony Michael Fidel, the father of the iPod.
Hope you were paying attention because free food is on the line here when we play the pop quiz coming up in just a minute on Tech Talk Radio. We're heard every Saturday at 9 on Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, 1077 FM HD2, southwest of Washington and now in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Russ, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's, uh, I just always love this virtual audience. Yeah. They're so enthusiastic. Enth- enthusiastic, now, and th- we don't have to clean up. Exactly. Now, this, of course, is not just a radio show. It's a classroom of airways. And we have to test whether you've been listening to the show. And we're going to have a pop quiz. If you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get two tickets to fine dining at one of our dining rooms when they open up after the pandemic. And you will get an A-plus for today's show. Earlier in the show, I talked about Anthony Michael Fidel. He, of course, is father of the iPod. What was the first job that he had at age eight? All right. While if you know the answer to today's question, you've probably forgotten what to do. Pick up your phone, give us a call. Dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're standing next to a pile of spent wrapping paper east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If your eggs are frozen in Canada, call us on the wild card line, 877-936-9333. Anyone else anywhere else may call us on the international line. Sanitized hourly with leftover Christmas tree water and eggnog. 877-9-3639-333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, let's talk about the discovery of the week. 
This is something that I just discovered this week. The iPhone has a built-in scientific calculator. What? I had no idea of it. Really? Now, Jim, you can do this. Open up the calculator on your iPhone. I'm find my phone. And Hang on. You hold it vertically, and you've just got a regular old calculator. Yes. Which is how I always look at it. Turn your phone on its side in the landscape mode, and it turns into a scientific calculator. Look That's at same that. application. Wow. I just discovered that. Probably by I accident, mean, right? It, yeah, it was by accident. They put that feature in back in 2008. That's So I'm, that's only, wacky. 13, I'm only 13 years late to the party. <laughs> and they put it in with iOS 2, version 2. And if you Now had... it unlocks all kinds of functionality like adding numbers to memory, parentheses, exponents, all those trig functions. It's got arc signs, Eve, law, natural logarithms, logs to the base. It's got everything that engineers just love and it's right there built into the calculator application and if you hadn't told me i'd gone the rest of my life without knowing this yeah now now listen jim now when you go to a cocktail party you can show people that and you will be king of the party by the time we get back to cocktail parties <laughs> i may be in a nursing home oh yeah that's I mean, true it's, I, for, I forgot yeah, about yeah it's got the whole pandemic thing going on Okay, right, we're go to a for, Zoom uh, party. Yes. And show Zoom. off. Show oh. off at your Zoom party. Got it. Okay, hang on. Andrew is running in here and he has the information. Mask up. Andrew's in. Andrew's out. Mask off. Let's play <laughs> the music, shall we? Let's okay. play the music. Here we go. There it is. Ah, so soothing, isn't it? Oh, it is. Okay. Really nice. We'll go to line one and we'll talk to Ken and Laurel. Ken, good morning, sir. How are you? All right, just fine. Good. Doc, go ahead and ask the question. Yep. Uh, Earlier in the show, I talked about Anthony Michael Fidel, the father of the iPod. What was the first job he had at age eight? He was uh, selling eggs door to door. Correct. Is correct. Ken, congratulations. You're the winner. Hang on. We're going to send you back to Andrew. He'll take your information. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio. This is Federal News Network, 1500 AM. 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, and southwest of Washington on 1077 FM HD2. Loudoun County, listen to us on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. 
IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers, here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Observations from the bunker. Today in the bunker, we're going to talk about innovative design principles according to Tony Fidel. He's an interesting guy, and uh, I sort of started studying Tony because he makes observations that lead to really interesting devices. Mm -hmm. Now, Tony talks about the need to overcome habituation. Now, see, he said habituation is when we have a, a repeated task we do over and over again. Our, our brain turns it into a habit. We become an expert of it, and then we don't notice things. Like when you first learn to drive, you learn everything. Then once you learn to drive, you can drive without even noticing where you are. You just go through the motions. That's habituation. Uh, what, during his time at Apple, what Steve Jobs always wanted product designers to do was to be intuitive. To keep it simple, he wanted his employees to stay like they were beginners. He didn't want them to be in this habituated state. He wanted people to notice things that others would do. And if you noticed it, and if you behaved like a beginner, you could make devices that would be intuitive to use. You see, it's easy to solve a problem that everybody sees, but it's hard to solve a problem that nobody sees. Say, like the thermostat. People just put up, it mean, it turned out the thermostat. In the old days, you just turn the knob up, turn it down. And then somebody thought, well, why don't we program it so they can, it can turn up, turn down. And so they came up with programmable thermostats to save money. But it turned out nobody would program it. Right. It was just too hard. Yes. So people didn't do it. It didn't save money at all. And so, but nobody said, that's a problem that we need to fix. But Tony noticed it. Like, for instance, uh, Apple, when they started selling their devices, it turned out that at that time, everybody sold devices powered by batteries with the batteries uncharged. You take it out of the box, and the first thing they say, do not plug it in or use it until you fully charge it overnight. Now, of course, you're just chomping at the bit to use this thing, but you got to charge it for 24 hours. Steve Jobs said, Why? So Apple was the first company that started shipping devices fully charged. And then mm -hmm. you don't have to go through that rigmarole. You know, when you buy batteries, they have a charge to them, right? Yeah, they do. They do, but they, but they were shipping devices without charge. So what Tony says, to fight against habituation, you want to look broader, look closer, and think younger. So looking broader, sometimes it's important to step back and see what's beyond the original scope of the problem. See if the process is too complicated. You might be able to remove a component, break it down to the individual parts, see where the, see where the parts fit in, and try to get rid of some things. Uh, you, so you try to, if there's a problem, you try to look broader to see this problem that meets the eye. Then you want to look closer to see if there's something that you can do with the specific parts, you want to analyze individual components. For instance, Tony likes to give an example 
there, there used to be this uh, TV, they, you know, a TV mount. You know, you'd mount your TV on the wall. And it took three screws, three different screws, to install this mount. So the folks at that group, they went back and they redesigned it so there was only one screw. Because what happens is that the poor guy he always gets the wrong screw in the wrong hole. Right. So, but there's only one screw, you don't make a mistake. Right. That's, a, that's like looking closer. And then you've got to think younger. See, we, we forget to ask questions or question what is. Like, nobody questioned the programmable thermostat. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, but Tony did. But, but kids ask questions because they don't have anything that they expect. So, like, his kids, they're driving in the car and they said, hey, Dad, why, why can't cars fly so we can just fly over the traffic? Well, that's a good thing. We just, you know, maybe we should have flying cars. And then he sent his, he, he told his son to go out to the mailbox to check the mail, see if there's any mail. And his son said, Dad, why doesn't the phone, mailbox just check itself and tell us if there's mail? That's a good idea. Yeah. So you see, kids have a different perspective because they have not habituated. So Steve Jobs and Tony, they always like to get young people on their teams, people that have no experience with the field, so they see it with fresh eyes. So Tony likes to, in his in his uh, in his approach to innovation, likes to look broader, look closer, and think younger. So I have and to, then you can come up with really really good ideas. I have to ask you: Do you have a self-checking mailbox? No, I don't. But you, I love the idea. You know, when along with self-checking, we should have a mailbox that automatically sorts out and destroys junk mail. So I don't have to we do should. it. We should. A shredder could be built right into the Exactly. Now you're on to something. Right into the mailbox. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot that could be done there because it's ridiculous to walk out to your mailbox if you don't know if anything is there. And it'd mm -hmm. be so easy to put a sensor in there to check. I mean, that'd just be wait. very easy it, to oh, do. It's just wait, right? Yeah. It's really of course you'd you have to you'd have to get power to your mailbox. Like, oh, it could be, <laughs> no, it could be solar powered. Actually, That's it could true. be solar powered, Jim. It could be right. Look at this. And, I think, and then, if, and then, if there's, if the mailbox is heavier, a little light turns on. You just look out to see if the light's on in your mailbox. You know what? Of course. One of these days, what? you're going to profile us in profiles in IT for developing the self-checking mailbox. I know, but of course, that is also just a light for mailbox thieves. They only open the mailboxes with the, that the light is on. Well, but then the mailbox is locked. Exactly. It has to be locked. As soon as the light turns on, the mailbox locks. Correct. That's right. Yeah. There we go, Jim. I think we've. I think uh, we're on to something. I, I, I think we may have our next uh, our next company, a mailbox the, company. The Shirts Co. Mailbox Company. Exactly. So <laughs> there you go. That is. Uh, and listen, that TED talk is really good. Just look at Tony Fidel TED and go to his talk on on how to create innovative teams. Now, let's give the tip of the week here. You know, down at the uh, down at the the Bay House by the water, I've got iPhone cables that will occasionally uh, they will occasionally corrode it on, on the they'll, they'll get oxide on them, and then it's then they're not reliable. Have you ever had an iPhone cable, Jim? You plug it in one way and it charges. Plug it in the other way, it doesn't charge. I was looking ahead at this and I noticed yes, I've had this problem, and I thought it was I figured it was probably a short somewhere in the cable, and based on you know you get some twisting around where the the cable goes into the um, into the plug itself. I figure maybe there's a short, and it only works when it's bent a certain way. But now you've well, if you, if you, 
I started looking at these cables, and usually there's a little discoloration in them yeah. in, the yes. in, the, in the thing. And so it's actually oxide. It's corrosion. So I ordered for $14 deoxid D5. Now, this deoxid D5, this actually removes corrosion. Now, now if you don't want to spend $14, you get a pencil and, and an eraser, and you can just erase the con, erase over the contacts and try to rub it off. Would but I what I like about this deoxid D5, like— if you've got a uh, like a like an amplifier pot that that's noisy, you can spray some of that in that pot and it will just clean it right up. You'll get rid of that static when you change the volume. Or if you've got a dimmer switch that's kind of wacky, yeah. you, you can actually clean it up. So there are a lot of places where you can clean up contacts, clean up circuit boards with this deoxid D5. What? So now I'm going to go back to this drawer of bad cables I got down here at the Bay House and clean them up with this thing, deoxid D5. And see D5. what works and what doesn't. Could, could you, theoretically, could you use a Q-tip and isopropyl alcohol for the same thing? Would that work? Probably you could, yeah. yeah. You could try it. Yeah, I'll give I that a shot. I haven't yet. I'll, you I'll, could, you I'll, could run that experiment. I'll run that side of the experiment. Okay. Rusco Labs. <laughs> exactly. So let's, uh, this last week, it's amazing. Bitcoin soared to $35,000. On January 5th, it was $35,000. That's an all-time high. Mm -hmm. Now, it had just slumped down 10% to $29,000, you know, last month. and then it, uh, But it followed a 300,000% a, a jump in 2020 when it went up over 20. 29. So Bitcoin has been all over the place. It's got a lot of fluctuation. J.P. Morgan put out a report, and they said that they think Bitcoins could soar as high as $146,000 to compete with gold as an alternative currency. Now, it's amazing to me, this Bitcoin, I mean, it's just a series of zeros and ones. It has no intrinsic value like gold. And uh, it's just a unique number. That somebody owns, and um, and um, but they are in short supply. These unique numbers that are that are distributed as Bitcoin, and if people value them, well, they have value. And so, but J.P. Morgan strategists, even though they said it could go up to one forty-six, they say it's not going to replace gold unless it becomes less volatile. It's all over the place these days. Now, the reason for the recent surge in Bitcoin is because institutional investors have started been putting money into the market, and that has driven the, driven the Bitcoin up. So let me tell you where, the, where, the, uh, where, where Bitcoin comes from. They, we have what we call um, uh, distributed ledgers, where basically you can have a decentralized ledger system, and you can use it for accounting, you can use it for tracking inventory, you could use it for logistics. A lot of, lot of things you do, and it's a distributed ledger, and you ask people to validate uh, a new entry on the ledger. You want to validate that it hasn't been, that you haven't uh, uh, basically pay, been paid with a Bitcoin that's been used before, and, and you validate that this is, uh, conforms to all the rules of trading. And in return for validating the distributed ledger, uh, they give you a Bitcoin, and, and they, they they basically just make up the digital sequence. They give you the Bitcoin, and uh, over time, Bitcoins are harder and harder to get. You've got to do more validation of the ledger. That's called, by the way, Bitcoin mining. 
And so they just are becoming more and more successful. Some people think it's just a big scam. It's going to crash. Other people said it's the real thing. It'll be fun to watch. I can tell you, Jim, I don't have any money on Bitcoin because I'm not I'm not convinced they're going to hold their long term value. But it's really a fun technology to watch. Well, the real technology is in distributed ledger. That is changing accounting. Well, you know what's interesting? I uh, was at a gas station uh, the other day, and it was um, – I wouldn't say it was in a great neighborhood, but it was um, – they had a sign in a window, like, a, and it was a, a neon sign that says Bitcoin ATM inside. Wow. I thought that was odd. I if it wasn't such a grimy looking place, I'd have gone in and checked it out. Yeah, I've never actually seen a Bitcoin ATM. Bitcoin, you know, maybe maybe I'll put that on my list of things to check out. I'll get put my that Kevlar vest quite, on and go check it out for you. So one one of the issues with Bitcoin, if somebody steals it, you you, you can't trace it. Right. It's not traceable. Yeah, and you, you you can't get it back. So there've been a lot of cases where people keep their bitcoins in Bitcoin digital wallets online. And um, and then somebody steals their credentials and they steal the Bitcoin and they and there's no way to to trace the theft. The uh, and there's been a lot of Bitcoin digital wallets stolen uh, when people try to overcome the two factor authentication because uh -huh. all the Bitcoin wallets have two factor authentication. So there's been a rash of SIM card stealing where basically somebody goes to the phone company and say, look, I lost my phone. The old SIM card is dead. It's at the bottom of the water. I need you to attach my phone number to a new SIM card. And they can do social engineering. They've been able to convince the phone companies to transfer the phone number to a new SIM card. Mm -hmm. And then they can go in and uh, log into that account, and they've got the second factor authentication with the, with the SIM card. And there have been a number of Bitcoin stole, wallets stolen using, uh, using two-factor authentication with a stolen SIM card. It's, uh, so you got to watch that. The only way to really be sure that nobody's going to steal your Bitcoins is to disconnect it from the Internet, put them on a, on a couple of USB drives, and put them in a vault. Then nobody's going to bother them. Yep. Jack Ma is in a heap of trouble there in China. <laughs> he, uh, he, of course, is, uh, is he's CEO of the Ant Group. He started Alibaba. That's the biggest, uh, you know, biggest online retailer there in China. And, but he just speaks his mind. And uh, last October, he accused the Chinese Central Bank of having a pawn shop mentality. <laughs> He said, these guys are in the dark ages. They don't know what they're doing. They're stifling innovation. He said, our banking system absolutely is the worst in the world. And, and at that time, the Ant Group, which is the, the group that owns Alibaba, the, the group, was going to issue the world's largest IPO, public offering. I mean, they, they were in light, it was like a, uh, like, but multiple billions of dollars. It was a huge, one of the largest IPOs in China's history. And after he criticized the Chinese government, the Chinese bank, it turned out the chairman, Xi was totally teed off with him. And what they did, they retaliated. They canceled the IPO and they summoned Ma, uh, Jack Ma, and all the ant executives <laughs> to a meeting. And they dressed them down. Uh -huh. 
And they ordered Ant to restructure the company. And now they're looking at Alibaba too large. They're looking at for antitrust investigation. Jack Ma has not been since October. Wow. So he is uh, he's in a heap of trouble there with the Chinese government. So if when the Chinese government say they don't control their their the companies that are in that com- country, that is just not true. I mean, Jack Ma, I mean, he was a former English teacher, came from a poor family, but he personifies Chinese economic prosperity and entrepreneurial grit. I mean, he was like the face of tech for China. Alibaba was built, he built Alibaba into a $500 billion tech empire, and he amassed a personal fortune of almost $50 billion. And the problem that he, that, that of course, Chairman Xi had was that Jack Ma thought he was bigger than China. And... Uh, you know, so he thought he better put Jack Ma in his place. Yeah. Now, Jack Ma is lunch with Barack Obama. He's taken selfies with the former prime minister of the UK, David Cameron. But she is fed up with it. And he's now going to crack down on all these tech platforms that are, that Chairman Xi says, are having a disorderly expansion of capital. So that's kind of an interesting story. I'm going to watch Jack Ma. I hope he's I hope he's safe over there because nobody's seen him. Some people think he's just laying low till it you know till the Blows over. till the controversy. Yeah. Sort of tying into the same. Yeah. Uh, we got about a minute same, le- or so left, just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I can do this in a minute. Tying okay. into the same thing, the former chief executive of Zoom has been indicted by the Justice Department for conspiracy. For conspiracy, uh, he was, uh, and this, of course, this executive was the Chinese-based video company Zoom, and he was colluding with the uh, Chinese government, and they were actually canceling meetings that were critical of the Chinese government, like uh, Zoom meetings regarding the Tiananmen Square massacre, Zoom meetings regarding uh, Hong Kong. Anything that was critical of the Chinese government, this executive would shut down that Zoom group. And so he's been indicted for com- complicit performance with the Chinese government. It's sort of in line with what Trump has been doing all along with our Chinese relations. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And we'd like you to go to www.stratford.edu and check out our programs in health science, nursing, uh, software engineering, computer networking, culinary arts, hospitality management, business or accounting, and tell them that you've heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.